Hello, welcome to the podcast. I invite you to follow along as we seek to build a firm foundation. Let's walk together as we grow our faith with every step. Okay, beginning with a short prayer. Thank you, Lord, for causing me to take time preparing this podcast. Help us all today to understand you and to understand your infinite love. Amen. Now, first let me say that I really intended to release this podcast for Valentine's Day, but God had other plans. It's not that this one is especially long podcast. It just seems as if for whatever reason I was caught up in all of it and just needed to spend some time in it. But anyway, moving on, if you know me well, you've probably heard me say on more than one occasion, just love. To me, those two words encompass so much of what God is about and what he's put us here on this earth for. And I just believe that if we live by those two words, that we're on the right track. And I know how I feel, and I know what I mean when I say it, just love that is. And I know who God is, and I'm pretty sure I know what he wants from me. I'm positive he expects me to love him and love others. But when I was making my notes for this podcast and tried to put them all together and started digging into scripture, I realized that there was so much to say, so much wrapped around those two words, just love. So I'm going to try my best to get across to you what I believe God laid on my heart and give some meaning to these words. So that being said, and with February far behind us, along with the hype and commercialism of Valentine's Day, let's talk about what true love really is, what it looks like. It is nice that we celebrate love, but celebrating love means nothing if we aren't practicing it every single day. Now, many of us have someone that we consider to be our true love. Is there a person or maybe more than one in your life that you believe you just could not love any more than you already do? Did you know when you have God's love in you, you're able to experience love and love others even more deeply? That with his love in you, you have so much more love to give. But if we don't have his love in us, we won't have the power to love with this kind of love. And we may not ever even realize it, but our relationships will suffer. Maybe not noticeably at all for some time, but in comparison to what they could be, what they have the potential to be, if we only knew God's love, and you may not, even know the difference until you experience that love, the love that the Holy Spirit fills you with when you receive Christ by faith. But once you do, it's undeniable. You're then able to be generous with your own love. And the magnitude by which you can love grows immeasurably. And it's so important for us to feel secure in God's love. You may not understand everything about God, but there's one thing you can be sure of, and that is his love. His love for us is faithful, and we're dearly loved beyond measure by him. 
And just as all throughout the entire Bible, we're taught in Psalm 36, 7, that his love is unfailing. But how can you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are so loved by him with that unfailing love? And how can you be secure in that love? Well, first let's try to define love and take a look at the different kinds of love that are spoken of in the Bible. Now, love isn't always easy to describe. We all know it's a complex thing. But the Webster's definition of love tries to simplify it with this description, a deep affection for someone. And while that's true in general, the Bible can teach us so much more about love and what it is from a Christ-centered approach. And this kind of love is the greatest love, whether it be Christ's love for us or our love for him or the love we should have for others. And there are obviously different kinds of love that we all understand without anyone explaining it to us. Love for our spouse is very different than the love we have for a friend. And when we say, I love pizza, we clearly don't feel anything like we feel toward our spouse. Well, at least for most of us anyway. In the English language, we use the word love pretty loosely. But the language of biblical times really did a much better job of distinguishing between the different kinds of love. The ancient Greeks had different words to describe each of these different forms of love. And we're going to take a look at the four main ones. The first word is philia. This is the love felt in an authentic bond of friendship, a strong bond that might develop between close friends. It's real and true affection for one another. And another one they used was eros. This love is a romantic kind of love. It's very passionate love that you feel for someone that you have a strong physical attraction to. And this word would most likely be used when referring to a spouse. They also use the word storge. This is the love of family. The bond and attachment that's natural and instinctual between family members such as a mother and child. It's a mutual and endearing bond. And finally, they use the word agape. This is the highest form of love, God's divine love. It's a pure and sacrificial love, other-centered and unconditional. Agape love is the core source of all love and all that is good because God himself is love. It's God's love for man and the love we're compelled as Christians to have for God. And not just for God, but for others. This kind of love is all-consuming, and it lives in every true Christian. But we're only capable of this kind of love through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're told in Galatians 5.22 that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is love. In other words, when the Holy Spirit resides in us, we'll produce fruit good fruit. And that fruit is the proof that those who belong to Jesus are truly his. And like I said, love is one of those fruits. It comes directly from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes to reside in us when we're saved. So besides understanding what love is, especially God's agape love, 
and how he lavishes it on you, what else can you do to feel more secure in God's love? Read your Bible and read it with an understanding of God's grace and love for you. Let him speak to you. Don't see him as a condemning God who places guilt on you, but as the father who knows you and your shortcomings and who forgives and loves you in spite of them when you become one of his children. Knowing God as a loving father is so important for your faith. It makes you able to trust him and to comprehend just how faithful he is to you in his love and in his promises. It's the one relationship that you need. And Jesus made this relationship possible. John 1, 2, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And read your Bible with an understanding that you and your life belong to God. You can be sure of this because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, you are not your own. You are bought at a price. And once you've given your life to Jesus and you've read and studied your Bible, you'll be changed forever. Galatians 2.20 lays out like this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And read your Bible with an understanding that among other things, it really is a love story between our creator, God, and his creation, his people. It's truly a happily ever after kind of story. It tells of God's pursuit of his people and our pursuit of him. And it tells of his unlimited love toward his creation. When we think of a love story, we think of things like devotion to one another, an exchange of adoring words with the one we love, warm embraces, and just feeling loved in general. But true agape love goes way deeper. It's selfless. And in some ways, your love story with God is similar to the love stories you're familiar with here on earth. And just as the husband and wife are united as one when they marry, you're also united as one with Christ the moment you hear the gospel and accept him as your savior. In a sense, that's when you become betrothed to him. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 6.17 that he who unites himself, or of course herself, with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And as the church, we're considered his bride. There are so many pieces of scripture that refer to us as the bride of Christ and that compare husbands and wives to Christ and the church. And the Bible's filled with all kinds of stories, both good and some not so good. But throughout its entirety, we see God's unquestionable and unconditional love for us, the perfect makings of a perfect love story. And we're a part of this love story it's one that never ends, but continues from generation to generation and forever. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, we read, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. So if we love God, we've got to do our best to try to obey him. And John 14, 15, Jesus tells us, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And this isn't referring to the Ten Commandments. I'm not saying ignore the Ten Commandments, but anything that we're told to do or not to do in the Word of God 
is a command. The Bible is not a book of suggestions. The Bible in its entirety is either the inspired word of God, literally God breathed, or it isn't. We can't pick and choose what we'll believe and not believe, what we'll obey and what we will not obey. 2 Timothy 4.3 warns us that some will try to do just that. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And Deuteronomy 4.2 makes it very clear. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I give you. Now it's true that because of Jesus, the Old Testament law does not apply to us. Think of sacrifices, for example. However, keep in mind that nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament. And if we love God and we're loving others, as we're told to do, we obviously would be obeying the Ten Commandments anyway. And we're also given a new command in the New Testament. Jesus tells us in John 13:34, "A new command I give you: love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another." And in the book of Matthew, one of the Pharisees asks Jesus' teacher, "Which is the greatest commandment in the law?" And Jesus tells him, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind." This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So it makes sense to say that if we follow these commands, that we would naturally be obeying the word of God and not omitting or glossing over the things that are a little too hard for us to obey. Instead, because we're not perfect, we try. And we try again when we love God. So now, why should you love God? Well, for many reasons, but to name a few, because he's your father and he loves you. He loves you with a fatherly kind of love. Because he created you, Psalm 139.13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Because he redeemed you by sending you a savior, because he helps you in your times of need, comforts and protects you, and gives you a peace that can only come from him. Because he blesses you in so many ways. Because you can trust him more than anyone else. Psalm 118.9 It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. And because when you love him and keep his ways, your reward is waiting for you in heaven. And we want to love God, but how can we do that? How can you show your love to God and make him the true love of your life? First off, how do you come to love anyone? Of course, by getting to know them. So then how do you get to know God? Again, by reading his word, the Bible, it's how he speaks to you. And to fall in love with God also means to fall in love with the Word of God. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. In verse 103, it tells us how we should feel about the Word of God. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 
and further in verse 105 explains how his word speaks to us and guides us. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. His word can help keep you on the right track in life. And with God's light, you can see more clearly in a dark world. Let's look at how David views his relationship with God to understand what we can experience in a relationship with him also. So, as I just said, God's guidance is one thing that makes you able to see him as the love of your life. He helps guide you and helps to keep you strong, just as an earthly partner might do. And God is with you, guiding you, even when you think you're alone in the middle of the night. Let's listen to what David has to say in Psalm 16, 7 and 8. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And with God as the love of your life, you can also not be shaken. You can feel content and secure. David said in verse 5, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. So this is saying that David's most valuable inheritance is his relationship with the Lord and that God is all he needs and he's secure in him. And also in knowing that God provides for you, you can feel secure in him. In verse 2, David said to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. David knew that God knows all of our needs, and he knew that God provided those needs for him. He does the same for you, giving you everything you need to live here on earth. And God protects you. David began chapter 16 with, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take my refuge. He knew that he could feel safe with God, just as you can be sure that you're safe with him. And you can feel secure in God with all these things. And why is that? Because he loves you with a great love, so fully and so completely. 1 John 3, 1 tells us how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. I hope that David's shown you here that God is so worthy of being the love of your life and understand that all these things that God gives us freely they're what we're so often looking for in our earthly relationships what others often have a hard time fulfilling we look to them to help us feel content and secure. We hope for someone to provide for us and protect us, someone to make us feel safe and to lavish their love on us. But God's the only one who doesn't fall short. And accepting God's love and loving him in return with all your heart, really devoting yourself to him, will help you to make him the love of your life. And when you truly understand this, that you're his true love also, this takes the burden off from your earthly relationships to fulfill all your needs. It removes the expectations that you naturally place on others, and it just makes you so much more free to pour out your love on others without expecting anything in return. 
And this is what I meant when I said that with the love of the Holy Spirit in you, you can love others so much more fully. When you understand all this, when you really, really get it, and when you know that Jesus is the only true lover of your soul, and when you figure out that you can depend on his love and that genuine security that comes from him, then you're able to trust who you are to him, who you are in him and who he says you are, rather than counting on how others make you feel and depending on what others are willing or even able to do for you. And love is just so much more free this way. You can just give it so much more freely. And this unconditional love for others is a great witness to the power of God's love. And this kind of love always points back to God, which is what we want it to do. John thirteen thirty five. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is coming together so marvelously. It's painting such a beautiful picture. I hope you can see it too. So let's look at some other ways that you can show your love to God. Not only by reading your Bible, but applying it to your life and living your life in a way that honors God. Worshiping and praising him in every area of your life putting him first, devoting yourself fully to him. And this is a hard one because we tend to naturally divide our loyalty between God and the world. Also by putting all your trust and faith in him and by going to church and spending time with church family and by giving to the church and giving to others, serving him by serving others, carrying out his purpose and his plan and his will for your life by, of course, obeying him and by having the desire to always want him more, more of him, and by loving others the way that he loves us. Jesus is our model for loving one another the one we can look to to imitate when it comes to loving others. So what are some of the ways we can love like Jesus? By listening to and encouraging others. James 1.19 tells us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And 1 Thessalonians 5.11 tells us to encourage one another and build each other up. Also by seeing and noticing others' needs and acting on them, being generous. Proverbs 19.17 says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Also by being kind and forgiving others. Ephesians 4.32 reads, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And by living a selfless life, 1 Corinthians 13.5 tells us love is not self-seeking. By praying for others, James 5.16 says we should pray for each other and that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
and by being patient with others. 1 Corinthians 13.4 tells us love is patient. Also by humbling yourself. 1 Peter 5.5 says we are to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. By treating others the way you want to be treated, Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And the very hardest one of all, by loving your enemies. Some people are just not our friends. Some people outright hate us. But Jesus wants us to love them. He wants us to overcome evil with good. He wants us to pray for them because he knows that they need him. Matthew 5, tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And Luke 6, 35 reads, But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Friends, let this kind of love be your testimony to everyone who crosses your path. Work each and every day to have more trust, more faith, and more confidence in Christ and in his promises to you. The way you can do this is to make it a goal to read his promises, learn them, meditate on them, memorize them, and know them. And through this will come faith. And where there's faith, the Holy Spirit has the power to work. And this is when the fruit of the Spirit, love, can be released into your life and it'll be sustained by the word of God, your knowledge of it. And at the very core of the word is Jesus, what he did for you, what kind of love that represents and all the promises contained in that love. Before I end, I actually have a little exercise for you. I think it would be really helpful to you if you could express your love to God just as you would to anyone else. So I'm asking you to hand write a letter to him. Don't make it a prayer. Make it a love letter. Take your time and meditate on it. Think about it as you do it. Tell him some of the things you might say if you were writing to a spouse or a loved one. For instance, tell him how deeply you love him and how you miss him when you don't feel his presence. Dig deep and let your emotions out. If you can allow yourself to write to him as if it were an actual love letter, I think this is something that you will indeed hold on to and treasure. Maybe even pull it out on occasion and read it, possibly even add to it sometime. So please give that a try. Okay, so let me leave you with a couple of verses to help you stand on the promises of God's love and help you to feel secure in it. Um, first one, and then I'll end my prayer with the second one. So the first is Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. 
He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father, open all of our hearts to receive you and your love today. Give us all understanding. Let us feel your love. Let us know your agape love. We pray for those searching for love and for those who just feel like something's missing. We pray for their understanding of what love truly is. We pray for those who desire your heart, that they find it. We pray for the church, your bride, to stay steadfast in your love. And we thank you for loving us so much that you gave your son's life for ours, for us, who are now also your children. We pray, Father, for us to love you and one another the way you've taught us to love with agape love. In Ephesians 3, 14, 21, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join me again next time as we seek to grow closer to our maker with every stop.